As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Earth Keepers podcast and the very last episode of 2021. How have the last few weeks felt for you? We have been walking through a transformational gateway since December 12th, but really even before that with the eclipses at the end of November and beginning of December. I have been personally experiencing technology blackouts, full body activations, and invitations from my ancient ancestors to join them in the dream time. We are being prepared for the next level of our collective ascension. So continue to rest when you can. Take notes of what's floating around in your awareness and enjoy this time of peace and quiet. Speaking of taking notes, this is not always my strong suit, as you'll hear on today's episode. I always think that I will remember things that happen when I'm journeying, and then later I'm kicking myself for not writing it down because I can't remember the details after all. And today's episode is the final discussion in the series of conversations I had on Zoom last month with Earth Tenders Academy students that we called Inspirations for Healing the Earth. It features Heather Clark, Sarah Powers, and Don Williams, a group of Reiki healers from Nova Scotia who teamed up to do some work with the land on the powerful Arcadian ley line that runs through that area. In their work, they discovered an ancient stone circle at a site called Green Oaks that makes connections to the Knights Templar, Rosslyn Chapel, the Marys, and Merlin. After a few sessions, they invited me to join them remotely as they needed someone to stand on the stone called the Stone of Sacrifice. Because, of course, nobody else wanted to volunteer to stand on that stone. It's a funny conversation where we all wonder why we didn't take better notes, but I think you'll enjoy it all the same. And if you've listened to all four of these conversations, I hope you'll notice how absolutely unique and interesting each person's experience has been as they've worked through the Earth Tenders Academy. No two stories are alike, and I think that's the magic of this work. Each of us are remembering our own special skills, and we can't even begin to predict what they might be. I always remind students on our monthly live calls to do their best not to compare themselves to others. We all receive intuitive information differently, and if we focus on how someone else is doing it, we may totally miss what's special about how we can do it. So I hope these discussions inspire you as much as they've inspired me. And with that, I send you to listen to my conversation with Heather, Sarah, and Dawn. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for finding us at this different time today, uh, because we do have people in all kinds of time zones uh, joining us, and so this was the time that worked best for us today. 
And uh, yeah, thank you for kind of joining us throughout the week. I see a lot of familiar names that have that have been here all week and some new ones that are just popping in uh, for the first time today. So if we haven't met before, I am Amy Dempster with Following Hawks. And, you know, I have been hosting, I guess you could say, <laughs> hosting, teaching the Earth Tenders Academy for a little over two years now. And as you can see throughout these conversations uh, this week, there are so many amazing humans who are a part of the Earth Tenders Academy or the Earth Keepers community. And, you know, oftentimes I get to have wonderful conversations either in DMs or emails or in our private Facebook group or our live calls that we do about all of the things that the Earth Tenders Academy helps kind of spur in other people's creativity and their own remembering of uh, their connections with the earth. And I just had an idea a couple months ago that we should have these conversations publicly so that other people uh, get to hear them as well. And it's been really fun. I've heard from a lot of you who've been on the calls of saying, oh my gosh, this totally gave me a new idea about, you know, how to do the work that I'm doing. And that was exactly what I was hoping for was that this would be inspirational uh, for you and me because I just enjoy having these conversations. But you probably have noticed throughout kind of the conversations this week that a lot of these things are things that uh, either I've been invited to participate in or have just kind of been the fly on the wall getting to hear how some of this work has has turned out. And our guests today, I uh, they have worked quite a bit on their own. I only joined them for one, one ceremony, one session of their healing work that they've been doing. But Heather, Sarah, and Dawn are all at some point, I don't know if you're all originally from Nova Scotia, but have all lived there at some period of time. Heather and Dawn still live there. Sarah uh, moved to the UK to... Uh, the Orkney Islands, if I remember right, she can correct me, of this specific location, um, which also somewhat figures into kind of all of this information. And so they kind of came up with this idea uh, that they'll share with us about how it all came together to do some healing work specifically with the land and with the grids there across space and time as we began to investigate last in last night's discussion. So I'm excited to have them join us. I don't know that there is a way that I can put all of our faces on the screen at once. And so hopefully Zoom will do a good job clicking through to the person who is speaking and it won't be too uh, rapid fire. But to start with, I just want to welcome uh, Heather and Sarah and Dawn and thank all of you for your willingness to share these stories. And well, I'll, let's start with Dawn, because I, I have a feeling, although you may correct me if I'm wrong, that you you might be the one who kind of spearheaded this <laughs> effort. But introduce yourself, let us know kind of who you are and your background and share with us kind of how, how your journey began. Sure. Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. Oh, wow. Hi, Heather. Hi, Hi Dawn. Sarah. It's great that we're all here together and everyone that's here now and will watch later. Well, I first participated in Amy's first iteration of Earth Tenders Academy in 2019. And I'm not sure, but I think that Sarah and Heather are both members of the Earth Tender Academy as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, actually, Amy kind of brings a lot of people together. <laughs> I think that's probably how we all met because Amy and I did a little Instagram swap in 2019 as well. And that brought a lot of wonderful connections into my life. 
I am a Reiki master teacher. I'm very connected to nature, clouds. I like to call myself a cloud whisperer. So in the collaboration that Heather and Sarah and and I did, I had created a Reiki second degree platform, a workshop actually, and I wanted it really to be interactive. And so I had a series of monthly follow-ups where we concentrated on different aspects of healing. And the very last one, the fourth one, I wanted it to be all about healing with the land using Reiki as a modality. And so I had been having some conversations with with Amy in the DMs, (laughs) as we do. And we had some very interesting conversations. I think it was Velvet, correct me if I'm... Yes. Yeah, everyone's saying, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Velvet had this really cool map, (laughs) Of North America, I think it was primarily North America, where there are all these energetic spots and Nova Scotia was one of them. And so it was really fascinating for me. Actually, when I was in Earth Tender Academy, part of the fun was to actually look at the history of where you live to be more connected with it. And so I had come across this really cool quote, um, and I'm sorry, I like to bring things up in my notes, but it said, I'm sorry, I don't know where to uh, credit this quote to. In my enthusiasm, I've lost that. But it said something like, Nova Scotia has had more ancestral ties to people across North America than any other province, as it was a spot where people landed and then moved on and settled into other places. And so I found that to be totally fascinating and really interesting when you look at it from a an ancestral healing aspect, because we all know that when we do healing, whether it's with the land or with ourselves, we have the intention of healing our lineage and that it's not just healing ourselves, it's healing generations. It's healing generations of trauma in the land, in the people on the land. And so I really wanted to connect with that aspect of this as well. Um, So I felt that it would be very powerful for us to work together here in Nova Scotia. And so I had asked Amy and she had suggested green oaks. And so then I approached. I didn't even uh, remember that it was my suggestion. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask you, why did you pick green oaks? (laughs) This is, it's really funny because I, I like to document things. So I have a lot of notes. I was like, I wonder, I I couldn't remember either. I wonder, you know, I can't quite specifically remember how this all began, but I have really good notes. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) I'm able to, uh, yeah, I'm able to pinpoint (laughs) a lot of it. So I invited Heather and Sarah to join me, asked if they were interested in, in doing that type of healing. And of course, I think we were all like, yeah, (laughs) you know. We love it. And so that would have been in early 2021, I believe. And that was our first meeting. And it was, yeah, it was kind of mind blowing as well in what came up. But yeah, so that's my little intro. (laughs) That's that's your intro and how you got there. Well, Heather, do you want to jump in and and share your background and your perspective? Sure. So I started connected. I'm not for me on Pinterest and it was you Amy and your stories of falling hawks 
And I always was very interested in what you're doing. Never really thought I would be doing anything similar, but found it very intriguing. So in following you, you had sent out an email mentioning people that you had connected with with help. I think it was maybe your hip that you had issues Mm. with. Yes. And at that time, I was looking for someone locally to connect with and couldn't really find who I was looking for, for doing a Reiki attunement, for finding out more about that. That's when you led me to Dawn. (laughs) You mentioned Dawn. I'm like, oh, she's close by. So connected with Dawn and then continued following you and doing the Earth Tenders Academy. And I have to be honest, I haven't explored that nearly as much as I've wanted to. But I always think of it as a library. If I need to go, I know it's there. Yeah. Uh, because that's how I found about a few things there. So in exploring Reiki and then going through that and meeting Dawn, and it's like everything kind of erupted in my life in a light kind of way, because it just felt, yeah, the connection became much stronger. And through that process and healing myself and healing, you know, much trauma, much stuff that we carry. And with Dawn's help and guidance, I don't know that I've reached the end of my path, but I feel much more confident going forward that I can help other people or to be able to, you know, channel through Reiki, healing, et cetera. So then with doing the second attunement, but I should go back to actually what you were saying, Dawn, about that session with Velvet. And I had to look at it back on YouTube today because I'm like, what is that lady's name? Because you guys had me. Like I had watched that a couple of times because I'm like, whoa, because it looked like, you know, Nova Scotia was in pink. That was the heart, or pardon me, the heart chakra. And then Maine was yellow and they were all done in the colors of the chakras. So yeah, it just was very interesting to me. And then with going through with Don and Sarah and everyone's willingness to explore and do that healing. And as you said, Don, so much came up. So much, well, just interesting in an energy perspective, healing perspective, but as well, just that there were so many layers, so much teaching for me. And I find I'm still learning and kind of wading through it because the emotions, uh, yeah, the patterns, the things that you're not aware of on a physical level that are so much there, you know, in the ethers. So yeah, no, it's been you, Amy, and Don, and then connecting with Sarah and other ladies with Don's Reiki work that got us through, you know, some crazy times through 2020, 2021. So yeah, I think that's where I am now. But yeah, it was the cities of light and creation. And then I'm gonna add it in the chat for anybody who's new to that. <laughs> yeah, because it was just really, as I said, fascinating. It led me down a lot of rabbit holes with my own research. And finding out about the ley lines that grow over the earth and the grid lines. And yeah, I'm just fascinated by all of it, really. And I thank yeah. you for the invitation today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And I and I should explain the map before we go on for anybody who's not familiar with it. So my friend Velvet, who lives here uh, locally, has had this map for years that she's been, uh, part of it is intuitive and part of it is information that's kind of come from different books and and resources. And she's kind of laid them onto this map. That's really interesting. And so every time I would go into her little shop, not every time, but sometimes she would have the map open or be working on the map or doing something. And a couple of years ago, I don't know, I'd never asked about the map before. (laughs) And I suddenly asked about the map and 
I took a picture of it and I walked away and still like months passed. And then all of a sudden, I think it was maybe around the beginning of 2020, it was like all this information started coming in uh, to me about the map and I suddenly needed to know more about it. And so I, I called her up and, and told her kind of what I was getting. And she said, well, we should just get on a call and record it and have a conversation about it. And so we said, well, we should invite all the earth tenders. And so it's, uh, it's not like a super formal video. If you haven't seen it, you know, it's really just a group of us having a conversation about what is this map? Where did it come from? And so it has kind of what, what she perceives to be, you know, rose lines or creation lines kind of, you know, those being north-south lines across the U.S. And then there are some circles on the map that are um, from another uh, kind of teaching or book called the I Am America. I Am America Prophecies, something like that. But it's, you know, these specific energy spots of which, you know, where we live here in Montana is one of them. But while we were having this call, I think Dawn was asking about Nova Scotia. And it was the weirdest thing. It was like, it wasn't particularly highlighted on her map in this way, but it was like all of our energy got pulled there and it was, it got very kind of weird and wonky while we were on the call, while we were talking about it, it was very clear that there was a lot of energy there that was related. And so uh, it's been fun that there are people exploring it now further and on a, on a deeper level. So that's what the map is. I added the link. If you haven't seen that video and you're interested in it, I added the link in the chat. So all right. Well, let's, um, Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself and give us a little background? Sure. It's funny. I guess I didn't realize or didn't remember that Heather had been led to Dawn through you, Amy, because that's how I found Dawn. <laughs> um, <laughs> all links lead through Amy. Um, so, goodness, I guess I came to Reiki nearly five years ago. But that was when I was living in the United States and I moved to the UK and I got attuned to level one and then I had a baby. And so everything was put on hold <laughs> for a year, <laughs> for about a year. And when I kind of got back to it, I realized that I didn't really connect with the person who had attuned me the first time. And so I was looking for someone else. And the person that I had been seeing for Reiki treatments had also stopped giving one-to-one -one sessions. And so I was looking and Amy suggested Dawn through an Instagram post, I think. And that's what led me to Dawn. So when she, I approached her and said, would you please do a Reiki to attunement? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I know of someone else and maybe we can do a group. And it all kind of worked out. And so that's how I joined Heather and Dawn to do that. Specifically for the green oaks and like ley lines, I've long been interested. I actually wrote a history paper in college on Hitler's use of ley lines in PowerPoints for nefarious purposes, I suppose. It was a long time ago. But yeah, I'm Orkney is on a ley line up from Roslyn Chapel and has lots of Neolithic history and was clearly used for some sort of sun moon healing purposes. Back once upon a time, they have standing stones and villages and they're uncovering a huge complex that they just, each summer, they only get like six or eight weeks due to the weather to actually unearth everything. And 
what they find out is just amazing. And the layers and layers of history that's on there every summer, I can't wait to see what they come up with and discover about what the purpose was for those buildings. But anyways, that's, I guess, a quick history of how I got to Dawn and I'm on earth tenders and like Heather have also not done quite as much as I would like to, but like she said, it's like a library kind of go back and you do a little piece and it always seems to be just what I need at that time. So I love it. I love it. And that's <laughs> my, you know, my intention. You can go through it from beginning to end, or you can pop in and just get the pieces that you need when you need them. So I love hearing that. And, you know, I'm not sure how you said, I, I forgot that I was the one that <laughs> suggested Green Oak. So, you know, what was it about, um, you know, that site in particular? I know there are a lot of connections and I, I don't know if any of you can you know, feel comfortable sharing the history or know it off the top of your head. But, you know, there's a lot of connection, if I remember right, historically between Roslyn Chapel on the Orkney Islands and the Green Oak site and potentially is kind of the how the Knights Templar may have moved from Europe to North America or kind of between those um, locations. So I don't know if any of you have any insight on that or, or kind of want to share like what your draw was um, as far as like that piece of history to that location or was it outside of that completely and it was like just an energetic pull? Dawn, what do you have in your notes? <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I have in my notes. <laughs> um, so I had been having a conversation with you, Amy, and I can't remember when this was. It's been possibly a year when you had been working on a lake in your area and there was some type of machine or energetic mm -hmm. construct that yes. you had been working with. And it felt very tied into this whole aspect of tainted or destructive, dare I say, masculine energy, the patriarchal energy that is very much up front right now as we move into the divine masculine, not as power, right? Not as force, but as a beautiful movement and collaboration with the divine feminine. So that was really fascinating to me because even on Instagram, you could feel like all of these really icky tentacles of energy, dare I say, really associated with children. And I'm getting big chills because that's how mm -hmm. I kind of get the energy. So we were talking about that. <laughs> it wasn't a really warm, fuzzy conversation, but we were talking about that. And you had said that Nova Scotia was such an important ancient energetic power spot. And you were wondering if there was something that was needed here, similar to that removal of that energetic construct that you had on that lake. And so I had said that sounds like a perfect way to assist in helping to shed all those layers. And I, I would, why did I say I would really love, <laughs> I would really love to look at that with Heather and Sarah. <laughs> Sometimes we, we say this doesn't sound fun at all, but maybe it's no. what we should do. <laughs> exactly. And so you had said that there was a specific energy spot that you felt was co-opted or redirected or something a long time ago. So you looked up in one of those maps, <laughs> one of those areas, 
So you had said that, you know, they were mucking up the natural energy of the place. So something, some energy that likely had been planted there quite a long time ago. So we're talking like more of an ancient type of energy that was still very active within those ley lines and participating in keeping that energy, you know, like it was like an artery being with arterial cirrhosis is what I had in one of my notes for our first sessions. It felt like it was just choking up all of that amazing potential and not allowing it to flow. And so I know that Heather and Sarah have so much more wisdom with respect to the ley lines and all of that aspect of it. Whereas I think for me, it's more the, the feel I get, I'm very clear sentient and story and metaphor. And so for me, you named green oaks. And so then I looked it up and what the very first thing that came up for me was this dairy firm. I don't know if you remember this, Amy. I do. Yeah. Yeah. A dairy firm in, I think, 1995 that had burnt down in Green Oaks. And I'm getting the energy of it now, like the energy cascading down my back. And I was just brought into an energy of terror, of sacrifice, of trauma. And so initially when I introduced myself, I talked about ancestral healing and lineage legacies And to me, it felt very much like it had triggered this burn fire and these animals that had been terrified, traumatized and killed in such a horrible, sacrificial way. It felt very much to me like it triggered this awareness within the land itself, much like it does within us as human beings when we're working with heritable, because it is the environment that triggers these spontaneous rememberings and energies. And so I was really fascinated with that. And then we started looking at, I think Heather took a trip there Mm -hmm. and she found four stones, like they were like, or in the lore, there were these four stones. And so I was like, okay, when we go in, we are going to those energetically, mind you, right? This was all during COVID and lockdown where we couldn't really too much go anywhere because I want to go with you, Heather. (laughs) We've talked about this. I want (laughs) to go there with you. I have not physically been there. So we were going to go to those stones, those sacred four stones to do this energetic work. And that is exactly what we did. And so interestingly enough, you had also shared some pictures out of those Templar books that you had talked about. And Nova Scotia, as Heather had said, was pink, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, pink has a very personal meaning. I've always hated pink. I've always been all about the blue. I love blue. And in my energetic healing, where I am so far, the metaphor for me has been very much tied to the Marys, to um, that whole aspect of the divine feminine not being recognized not being seen. And if you think about potential children of that sacred union that I imagine, the controversial of, you know, Jesus and Mary that don't exist, it feels like such a metaphor for many of us that we are not seen and we don't exist, that we have never been acknowledged in this world. And so it felt like such a powerful, and I can feel the energy of it again, 
it was for the children. Like that kept coming up. It's for the children. You know, all of the children that are, I don't know, like it was for the children. And when we went and we did the energy, it was for the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so I tell let, us about, yeah. I'm like, tell us about your first, the first time. Cause I think you've met at least three times. Um, to do three, this, or met, times. three or four times. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about that first journey, which whichever one of you would like to <laughs> share that. Yeah. I'll let Heather or Sarah, if they have the memory of it. They're all a blur in my mind. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I just don't Sorry. want to do all the talk. My lamp just fell off the. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, is it, I remember you telling me about these stones at one point, and even I was like, like physical stones? Like, I, there's actual, like the physical. I was thinking, oh, this is an energy, you know, you're energetically traveling and you're, you know, perceiving these stones in your process but not only were you doing that but they were they were physically there on the site as well which obviously you know leads you to believe that somebody knew and understood that you know this was a very powerful location and, and we're using that in some way those stones with the energy so yeah tell, tell us about your first first journey there <laughs> I have a few notes ladies if you're good for me to share yes for okay. sure okay So I often write notes and I don't remember when it's happening. I write it down and may not remember later. So that was on February 9th of this year. It seems like much longer ago. And I'm an empath. So for me, I feel and I can be clear audient, clear sentient. There's a bunch of stuff that goes with it as I kind of learn and grow through this. So I get body awareness. So as we did our session and we sent yeah, for green oaks, much body awareness, tingles, shivers, coolness. Green oaks is on the same ley line that runs through North and South America, through Washington, D.C. Waves of light, waves of love, colors became brighter through the session. Light cities in North America, switching from dark to light, light energy spreading, light shooting from green oaks. It was always an army assisting to remove. There was a raven, shapeshifter, I heard. Magic is in the air moving into another dimension, realm, or timeline. There will be shifts in the days to come. Don't be surprised. Why are we doing the work? The Marys, I heard. Ancient wisdom. Mother Mary is always the protector of children. I had been doing much reading podcasts for research about green oaks, feeling into the energy. And one evening I was almost asleep and I heard, it's the children. I thought, yes, Dawn is right. It is the traffic children. This has been going on for centuries. Then... Dreams last night, this was like February 13th, a few days later, but I can't remember all. People were with me. There were kids with me, but I can't tell you in the dreams what was going on or why, but there always seemed to be children around. I felt compelled and I needed to travel to Green Oaks. As I drove there, my back felt like my skin was inside out. Waves of coolness, tingles nonstop. And I turned off the highway and drove to Green Oaks. Physical sensations eventually stopped. The country road twisted, turned, folks waved as I drove by, bright, sunny, cold day. No weirdness, no feelings at all. Green Oaks is on the north side of the Shubenacadie River. It is an important river to the Native people. Many protests to protect the river from the federal government. This has been going on for years. The river kept coming to me as an artery of Nova Scotia, like you said, Don, that artery again, of the people. So vast, so majestic, living water. As soon as you pass over the bridge in Green Oaks, the normal Green Oaks sign is on the right. And on the left, there's a sign, it's still there, and it says, repent now or perish, is on the left. Otherwise, an unremarkable country road. 
people wave to you as you go by. So I really felt that I had to go there physically to help clear and heal the energy. And just going back a minute to the ley lines, I grew up on a ley line, spent 18 years there. I was compelled to go to Roslyn Chapel when we went to Scotland on a family trip years ago. And I've been to Washington, D.C., Stone Mountain in Georgia. I've been there as well. These are all kind of connected. It's like why I had to physically go there, Amy. You would know more about that because for me, it's like I'm following breadcrumbs as I go along, you know? Yeah. And that's that Arcadian ley line. And it does. It goes through New York. Is it Philadelphia, I think? Yep. Yep. And Washington, D.C. goes through Stone Mountain in Georgia. Yep. uh, New Orleans. I think so. Maybe I have a drawing of it somewhere, but if you look up Arcadian ley line, you'll, you'll see it. uh, I think it's Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. Okay. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of energy in North America concentrate. I mean, if you just think about where, you know, some of the power centers in, in our country lay, you know, they're, they're directly on that, on that line. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so many, as Don said, initially, so many people immigrated initially through Nova Scotia and then you know, spread out from there. So just really fascinating kind of the, the movement of people along that line. Yeah. Sarah, did you have any other? No, I think kind of covers everything. For this first one, I have notes as well. And I had, um, so the four corners and the symbolism of the artery, as Heather had said. And again, there is that whole metaphor, the different layers of, you know, the ancestral healing going back 13 generations. So all of those deep ties and then the ley line covering so much geography, right? If you really think about it, it's all like just a metaphor layer upon layer upon layer of how we can view it and the potency of doing this kind of work as Amy illustrates to all of us in the work that she does. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should ask Heather and Sarah, are you okay if I share yes. more details? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So in our first session, we were all guided to step upon one of the four stones and it felt really primordial and really connected. You know, we felt like we have been doing this work together before, for sure. So it felt very connected almost immediately. Like it wasn't really awkward, you know, like, okay, we're going energetically to, <laughs> you know, we're not really going there. And I'm going to, it just, it was very organic and very immediate. You very much needed to step into that timeline to right. do that work and you felt it when it happened. <laughs> and, and it wasn't me as the teacher and them as the students. It was equal, Right. It was immediately, we all know how to do this. And we had just provided the container, so to speak. I had provided the container and brought us together. So I was wondering like, okay, what is that fourth stone for? And it was the Southern stone. And when we had looked that up, I asked for the keeper of the land, as I think you have kind of created that term for our healing of land, to anchor the south stone because the south stone when you look up the four stones that is a stone of sacrifice so we didn't want to get on it (laughs) (laughs) we're like okay (laughs) i do remember this (laughs) i think that somebody else should be on it right (laughs) 
So for me, I hear in metaphor, right? So take this with a grain of salt, but it's just very powerful when you're creating with story and with metaphor and however else you energetically work. It's all very powerful, the the openings that it creates. So I heard Anubis. So I knew that it was Egyptian. And when I looked it up, it was Anubis was a jackal-headed deity who presided over the embalming process and accompanied dead kings into the afterworld. So they were judged by Osiris. Anubis placed their hearts on one side of the scale and a feather representing Ma on the other. So Anubis is the Egyptian god of mummification and the afterlife, as well as the patron god of lost souls and the helpless. So you're getting this, right? So that felt really, really powerful in the work that we were doing with the lost children, with the affirmation of being seen, being heard, being witnessed that certain atrocities in history have taken place, that the Marys existed, that generations existed. So we saw like a Merkaba, like this really powerful energy in the middle of all those four stones. And it created like a vortex of energy. And for me, I kind of just saw Anubis on the so stone with an ankh focusing the energy. And I find this next part really funny. <laughs> Not funny that we became, we became the Reiki pillar of light because that's how, you know, that is my foundation. And so when we were doing the Reiki, what am I trying to say? We were That's using we the do. Reiki platform, <laughs> right? That divine light to guide us, to protect us, to support us. And that was our intention. And so we could, I hope I'm speaking for all of us, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Heather and Sarah, we could feel a lot of really, I'll call it unsavory energies just being pulled up into that vortex and I kind of visualized it as I was kind of shown it as these crystalline structures, almost like a Star Trek or like, you know, how you see them like being caught in these crystalline structures being trapped, but it wasn't trapped. It was, I was shown that they were given the opportunity to transmute or not, or remain contained, right? In other words, to open to love and that type of energy, as opposed to holding on to the lower level energy, we'll say. So then we just focused Reiki, the Reiki energy into that area. And it felt like we did a lot of healing for over time and space of what was represented in that energetic frequency in that area it felt, as you had said when we originally went in, that it had been diverted for unsavory purposes, right? That people who were in the know, you can use things for good or for not so good. And it felt like that power, that resonance had been used for not so good. And so we were opening that up as well. And so when we went in for our second session, I have it in my notes that we were rebuking and rescinding. We were rebuking vows and contracts and bindings and forces. Let's see, family lineage legacies, all the times where we gave our sovereign power or our authority to any entity or any energy that was not our divine self or from the divine source. So we were 
from every direction of time and space, we were healing that for the intention was to heal that for ourselves. That's the amazing part of Reiki. We're always channeling it through us. So it's always compassionate to self and other. And so we were doing that. And then you came and did a session with us. And that there was, was that, that really... pesky fourth stone that needed, <laughs> <laughs> needed someone to be sacrificed. <laughs> Apparently I was the one for the job. <laughs> Thanks for nominating me. <laughs> well, we did preface it just so you all know. <laughs> I'm joking. We invited her to come in and I said, well, there is this fourth stone. If you would, if you feel drawn to stand on it or you can, you know, choose whatever position you would like. And Deborah um, says, did I get on it? I did. <laughs> and then we but, found out the symbolism. We found out the symbolism afterwards, right? Yeah, I was trying to look back at our notes too. I'm like, I didn't. We didn't know until after, until afterwards that it was, it, it, as you might imagine, was not a literal sacrifice. Since I'm still, at least here in this timeline. <laughs> yeah, it was a willingness to release and to step into enlightenment. So that's a pretty powerful intention, right? Yeah, it was really interesting. And now I'm kicking myself for not taking better notes my, at the time mm-hmm. because I I know there was a lot more that happened in that experience that I can't recall the details of now. Hopefully you wrote them down. But the just to kind of come full circle on the, the sacrifice piece was that shortly after, like maybe even the same day, I had been looking up some additional information. And it was one of those, you know, like I went from one site to another, to another, and don't know otherwise how I got there. And there was a a short video on uh, Rosalind Chapel that was talking about what sacrifice really meant in those terms. And in that, I can't remember how it's in Rosalind Chapel, if it's written somewhere, or if it's, there's some, some piece of it connected to the chapel but that the actual meaning of it kind of in that period of time or in that lineage was the willingness to sacrifice your ego for enlightenment as you're as you're saying and that that that's the sacrifice that is being asked is to yeah sacrifice of self but maybe not in the same physical sense that we think of the word and so it was kind of that you know connection that we needed to understand in our modern time, what we might think sacrifice meant connected to understanding what it was kind of in those, in those times. Right. Mm -hmm. And it feels like the sacrifice of your beliefs, right? Because our beliefs are what we love and what we hold on to. And that is all part of the spiritual path of releasing some things that we don't love, but some things that we just love dearly. And in order to step on to that next on that next step, it is a releasing, a grieving, a mourning of letting that go so that the new can come in, which feels very resonant to where we've all been over the last couple of years, if not more, depending on your personal journey. And so actually the rose in with some of our notes, we did either the second or the third session, 
the rose did come in. It was glowing on the stones and the power of the rose actually went into the middle. Like, I wish I had taken better notes as well. But one thing I can tell you, and I know that I did not take notes of that last session where we were together, Amy, and I wish that I had as well because it was truly powerful. But one thing that I do have written down is yesterday when the Templar gave his sword, and you can feel the energy of that, to each of us, it felt very profound and symbolic to me. The sword of oppression being offered to break these patterns and cycles and reestablish balance and order. I think that deep healing is like that. It requires compassion and forgiveness. All in one, a recognition of the humanity of even those who have oppressed us. If we're able to open to that possibility, then the higher planes of healing potentials unfold. And that's all I have written. But that kind of opens up for me, and I don't know if any of the three of you can remember more, but there was a Templar, a presence of masculine presence representing the Knights Templar, the patriarchy that has oppressed. And it was almost like they were creating some type of retribution, and I I don't think that's the right word, compensation, recognition, asking for forgiveness in giving us their sword, like their most valued, right? Possession. It was very Mm -hmm. symbolic and it was really profound. I just wish I had written more about it. Me too. And if I, I mean, you, the rest of you may remember as well, but if I, if I recall when we kind of made our circle complete and stepped on the stones, then they stepped in and joined the circle as well. And yeah, I forgot about the the sword piece of it, but it did feel, it almost felt like even from their perspective that there was some energy, you know, like they were holding the energy because they had to, in some ways, not even because they wanted to, or, you know, some of that type of thing. And it, it did, it felt like this, this balancing that had been missing. And, but I'll, I'll leave it to... <laughs> Actually, you saying that kind of triggers an opening because I think we all felt this huge opening. It was kind of like where we felt all that energy move through that ley line and it was almost like it was clearing. Mm -hmm. That ring a bell with you, Heather or Sarah? Yeah, it does with me. I do have a few notes, but Sarah, would you like to jump in there first before I... Um, I was just going to say that it it very much felt like a ceremonial passing of the sword. (laughs) You know, it literally was, but if you have notes, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) You're apparently the only one taking notes. (laughs) We're the worst. (laughs) So this was (laughs) April 13th of this year. Okay. Okay. So yeah, take what resonates, leave the rest. So Mary grid lines removed, now coming back online. Not one of us likes the color pink. I think you referenced that, Don. We None of us do. I, I don't mind it now, but before my 40s, I didn't like it at all. Um, and then I had a note, Masonic check, Knights Templar check, both to a Nova Scotia connection. But wormhole underneath where we were, does that ring a bell for anybody? Stone of Scone, Scotland, twice in a day. Someone brought that up. The Stone of Scone, and then it was locks connected, the Shubenacadie River, where you are, Don, the locks down the street from you. And then for me, Lake Minook is at the bottom of my street, so it's all, like, it all hooks. And then Indigenous people, 
Merkaba, Rose Inside the Cross, Temple Awareness, that's my Temple Awareness, Divine Masculine, Much Body Awareness. Yeah, I was, yeah, my body was kind of freaking out. There was a fog, something to do with the very famous fog when we started, and then the moon moved back and it was brighter. Something about a moth, diamond light, rainbow light. Oh, the the rainbow temp- light. I had that, remember that? that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. After we did whatever it was, like this whole rainbow light, and we all saw it. <laughs> right. And temples, night and night, K N I G H T, and then night N I G H T, order of the rose. So Dawn was in the north, Amy south, Sarah west, I was east, and then male came on one knee. The knight came on one knee, full body, laid down his sword, transition of power, acknowledgement of our power, divine masculine. They're a pyramid bending to us for, for them at hearts, four masculine energies, masculine, feminine, back together. Again, wisdom flowing, Egypt, Scotland, Nova Scotia, corrupted, manipulated energy, Excalibur, the sword, swords of light. Moon manifesting, amazing, high-pitched frequency. My feet were going crazy, tingling. Diamond light, crystal, the power of four. Seeing lines, lighting up everywhere, peaceful, every direction out. The energy was really good. Will flow for a while, like a glow stick cracking. Sarah, I think you heard that. Yeah. Um, Like the energy is along those lines. It was just lighting up. Yeah, and that's what I have for those notes just from that session. Yeah, there was a lot happening. And it's really interesting when you have, you know, a group of people. And so everybody obviously has a different way that they perceive Mm -hmm. energy, first of all, and like receive information, then we're each kind of doing our piece or doing our part. And so it's so, you know, fascinating when we have things that line up and that, you know, oh, I saw that too. Oh, I experienced that or I'm getting the same message. And so that was really cool about about that ceremony in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Sarah is very visual. And I, I believe, Sarah, that you had kind of a vision that really capped it all that off. Was, the, was that in the second one? Oh, was it? Okay. Just the three of us, the pyramid with the light coming down. And I can't remember. Flowing gowns. But it was almost like you could remember yeah. from another time yes. or another yes. dimension, perhaps, right? Yeah. As they converged. Yeah. But I think that was from the second meeting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how is it feeling to you now? I don't know if you have worked on it any, any further since, since that time in April, but I mean, how, how has this continued to, I guess, play out either in your conscious or subconscious kind of awareness with the energy, um, you know, especially other knots that you live there in the immediate area? I've almost... I had that post in Mighty Networks there, but when they started discovering the burial of kids' bodies throughout Canada, the Indigenous people, I, since then, I had such a strong whew, overload reaction, and it still makes me react. I'm feeling it right now. So I had to turn away for a bit, Amy. I didn't know what else I could do, and I didn't know what else was coming as far as were they going to discover more bodies like in Chubinacity or near where the school was there? Apparently so far they have not, but they're still pressing on with that. The indigenous people trying to get some, I don't even know what you could say because, you know, they say that can be seven generations of ancestral trauma created by that one act. So for me personally, I've turned away, not that I wouldn't go back to it, but it just felt too overwhelming for me 
because I take it all emotionally. So, yeah. 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 And I think it is, I mean, it's literal, but I think there is a lot of symbolism in the, you know, the unearthing, the unburying, the coming to the surface of probably what wasn't a particularly well-kept secret in the first place, but obviously wasn't in the national or worldwide mind as being something that that happened and, and in many cases was happening so recently. Mm-hmm. And so it certainly, I for me, I felt like the symbolism wasn't lost in that whatever needed to be cleared, you know, in many ways. And, you know, I'm sure through this ceremony and who knows how many other things that have been been done over the years that like the, the path has been cleared for this healing and this reconciliation and this, this unburying. Right. And I have felt that I'm integrating my own healing within the realm of this as well. And so for me, that feels very much of the way that healing is done. You know, the things that are hidden in deep and dark, they rise to the surface. And then we need time to integrate, to heal from the trauma and to create new ways. And so I feel that that's, that's how I feel that we've Heather and Sarah and myself, I, I feel that we will be getting, and I'm speaking, I don't mean to speak for you and Heather and Sarah, um, but if you're willing, I feel that I would like to go back and do more work there, but not right now. It feels very overwhelming time right now. One thing that I have noticed that I find to be interesting is the the lakes and the lock system that I frequent very much that, you know, Heather mentioned that it's all connected, the waterways, et cetera. The blue-green algae here in Nova Scotia and the lakes that are nearby and even in the locks, much to my dismay, right? I love that area. It just was devastating for me to see that there was blue-green algae. But it feels like it's very metaphorical of all of the hidden, crappy, gooky, poisonous stuff rising, right? Being visible. So all of the contamination, all of the disrespect for the water and how we treat it, it is a holographic universe and every part mirrors the whole. And so we're going to see that, I think, on every level. And that's what makes it so incredibly profound. You know, we can talk about it, but when we actually witness it, and really feel it and how it relates to us, then it has an immense effect. So I feel that that's part of the healing. It's kind of mirroring where I am now, that I'm integrating, that I'm kind of in shock of all of the things that have happened in the world, in my own personal life, here in Nova Scotia. You probably have a lot of each of you as well. So many things that you're integrating right now, but we're seeing it. And sometimes it's really scary and really hard and challenging because we're seeing it like we can't look away. Oh my God, there it is. But one thing that I'm always reminded of is we see it. We're witnessing it. This is the first step to healing it, acknowledging it. We can't look away. It's there. And so when we step up, bravely and courageously, but terrified and are willing to be vulnerable and to heal it, then miraculous things and opportunities can happen, I think. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, we oftentimes hear that when you set out on some kind of healing journey, especially like on a physical level, but certainly on an energetic level that sometimes it feels like it gets worse before it gets better. And Mm. it's because, you know, all of those things that we had kind of locked away or hidden or our bodies had kind of scrolled in a little corner, you know, somewhere like all have to get pushed to the surface and all have to come out so that they're not buried there anymore. And, And I think we absolutely see the land reflect that and are certainly, I mean, geez, in in any corner of the world right now are seeing all of these things come to light that, you know, were happening maybe all along, but we're, we're in the darkness, we're underground, we're, you know, hidden away. And so um, I would agree with you that to me feels like that it's showing us those things can't hide anymore and they can't, they can't stay hidden and they're getting pushed to the surface. And so yeah, I'm, it helps me to be hopeful. <laughs> and I see some, we're running just a little lower because we, we got started a little bit late with uh, links at the beginning, but I'm just going to go back to a couple of the comments here. Crystal shared a few notes. Uh, she was saying decades ago, I read about a group of women who met every week to send Reiki to their suburb. The crime rate dropped to nearly zero. Another lady had the opportunity to place stickers of the Reiki symbols onto the outside of the town's major community water pipe that transfer drinking water into people's individual homes. Reiki is such a wonderful gift to humanity. Children can do it. Dogs are being attuned to it and can send it through their paws. I love it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it really, I mean, that's, it's the perfect example of, you know, that I say all the time about just being creative with energy and with healing and how, you know, if you can kind of dream it up, it'll work. <laughs> so if it's a symbol on a water pipe or, you know, sending, sending energy, those are all worthwhile pursuits. And then there is a link that is shared here in the comments. Uh, Crystal sent said, sorry for the long link I copied from the URL, but there's interesting info about the Venus, blue, I assume that's blueprint on Ro- Rosalind Chapel from the book, The Womb of Reverence. This link brings up multiple pages of info to read for free. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, there, I mean, there's so much symbolism in Rosalind Chapel. I don't know, you know, and I think, you know, some of the things that were really interesting to me that I learned through this research myself is, you know, we make a lot of assumptions about symbolism and or are using, you know, information that that came from somebody else's research or somebody else's assumptions or, or whatnot. And that, you know, when it comes to especially kind of ancient texts or you know, ancient symbology, in many cases, they were full of codes that were only meant to be understood and read by other people who understood the the language. So, you know, many of these, and that's what was happening in a lot of these Templar chapels was that, you know, they're building these beautiful Gothic cathedrals, but they were full of what were really maps and symbols and codes and messages. And that, you know, one of the messages related to the to the rose in particular, and some of what the Knights Templar, it seems like were protecting was the idea that there's life after death, that your consciousness continues, that you are reincarnated. And we sit here today and just think like, big deal, <laughs> you know, that it couldn't have been that it had to be something, you know, more dramatic than that. But that was, I mean, that was absolutely heresy to, <laughs> to be. And, you know, they were connect so connected and, and at least initially funded by the church. 
and promoted by the church and for for them to be carrying and sharing information that was counter to the church's beliefs that was a lot of kind of what was being shared and and what was in their their symbolism and so it seems simple to us today but it was very very inflammatory <laughs> knowledge to have that you could connect with the other side that you could connect with your ancestors who weren't really fed <laughs> that you know that all of this information was available to us and so i find that very very interesting when when you look at some of their artwork and some of their architecture and those types of things so Let's see. I haven't read the book, so I'm not promoting its contents. I was just trying to find extraordinary info on Rosalind Chapel by Tiberon, but it's not free anymore. It's been put into a book. As I was internet searching just now, I came across this info, The Venus Blueprint, Uncovering the Ancient Science of Sacred Spaces by Richard Merrick. Oh, that's probably right along the lines of what I was just sharing. (laughs) Probably really fascinating. So yeah, go check that out if that's interesting to you. Um, and Crystal says, I don't know who said this, but the comment was, there's now enough people that can hold the light that the darkness can show itself for healing. Yeah, really powerful. Rhonda says, in my experience, we are exhuming darkness into the light is a priority in order to re-see and elevate our frequencies into a knowing of ourself as divine, as we were, we were and move from there. Living from divine beings as humans, our species transpositions itself. And Kelly says, you ladies are brave, strong, determined warriors. Thanks for all you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, Deborah says, thanks for sharing. Very touching and inspiring. Any final thing, other things in your notes that you want to share, or if there's any more questions or comments, be sure to get them in the chat. We'll just wrap up here in a couple of minutes. And yeah, everybody's saying thank you, thank you. Crystal says, great work this team is doing. Amy, you're awesome to have had the courage to share your personal stories and have built this worldwide, dare I say, cosmic group of healers <laughs> for the earth. Absolutely. While sharing and creating more links. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love about this. I just love this opportunity. And I guess I would like to ask any or all of you to share because, you know, I think that I say that sometimes about the Earth Tenders Academy, like, oh, sometimes we work on little projects together, you know, and I don't know that anybody knows what that means. I don't never know how to describe it better. Um, You know, we just kind of work on these little projects sometimes uh, or big projects, as you might say. So, I mean, what anything you want to share about kind of working in a group this way, as opposed to kind of the individual work that I think we all do kind of traipsing around up and down trails and around trees and (laughs) out on the lakes and (laughs) feel free to share. I really love working in kind of our small group. We each bring something to it. And even though Dawn is, I would say my mentor, I think Heather feels kind of the same. I do. Um, As Dawn said, when it came time, we were all equal parts. There was no hierarchy and it amplifies the energy. So give yourself time to rest afterwards (laughs) would be my tip. (laughs) And maybe not do three months in a row. (laughs) 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 Although I think we did good with that. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Anything I have to... Hmm. No, just thank you for the opportunity to share this because it was always... It felt kind of like, I don't know about the first one. I was anticipating it being something amazing and it actually was. And it kept getting more and more amazing. 
And I agree 100%, Sarah, with amplifying the energy and Don with her experience as a teacher and ability to hold the container and lead us into like just amazing. So yeah, no, awesome. And I had somehow muted myself. (laughs) (laughs) Amy's unmuted me. (laughs) But I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with everything that you have both said. And it is just so powerful, as you say, Sarah and you, Heather, as well, it amplifies it when one or more come together, right? It just, it brings it all to another level and being able to share the experience and seeing how it's the same and yet different. It also adds to that incredible trust and that faith and that feeling of being so connected, like this is real, right? Mm -hmm. This is real. We're not just making this up. This is real. And we are having an an effect. So I love it. Obviously, I love it. And I love working with you and Heather and Sarah and you too, Amy, and lots of people that are on this call here that I know. I love working with them as well. And yeah, thanks for having us. And thank you for you know, you really do have this special ability to bring groups of people together. And I've modeled, I have to say, you know, when I did that Reiki 2 container or the Reiki 1, I kind of modeled it after what you showed me was really awesome and worked in the Earth Tender Academy. (laughs) Good, I'm glad. (laughs) I loved, I loved being able to work on my own but then also being able to work with the group. When you work with the group, it just amplifies the learning and the teaching and the knowing. Yeah, agreed. And I I mean, I love working that way, which is why I like, uh, you know, sharing in this way. But I think part of, you know, not just the amplification, which you can feel when you work as a group. I mean, it's uh, for whatever energy you feel when you're by yourself, when you link up energy with, with other people and, and work together, it's like, it's like, quantumly <laughs> more powerful, you know, more than just, you know, the number of people that are, that are involved. And I also think it's, it's so powerful. You know, it's always what I say at the beginning of all of our uh, group calls that we have every month is, is first of all, like that spirit has so many more people to pick from, right? Like they can kind of come in and be like, Ooh, Dawn is really good at this. So we're going to give her this job and Heather's really good at this. We're going to give her this job. <laughs> and so everybody kind of gets to, you know, split up and, and, you know, work on uh, whatever it is that that's most needed, but in the sharing and, you know, even like these kinds of conversations, it's really powerful for us when we're able to hear, oh, somebody else had the same experience or, you know, like I said, like we all saw that rainbow, you know, <laughs> or whatever the case was, you know, like these are the things that really help us know, like I'm not making this up or I'm not playing some movie in my head, right? Like I'm really having this experience and and even though it maybe feels subtle or I'm not a hundred percent sure, or even as we're saying, like Heather was, you know, like, oh, well, it's all happening in my body. Like, I don't, you know, I may not know what it means, but then when I can connect it with the other people's, you know, kind of experiences in different ways, you're like, oh, well, when, when you said that happened, I had this response in my body. And so I just think it's so magical when we can come together and and work as a group in that way. And I think it strengthens our skills and it certainly strengthens our belief 
in what it is we're doing. So I am so appreciative of all of you for, for doing this work, for everybody for joining us. And um, before I forget, if you each want to share um, how people can get in touch with you, how to find you online or how to work with you. And uh, yeah, let us know so we can track you down. <laughs> oh, and you know what? I'm going to jump in one more because we have a question here. Is it important to learn Reiki before doing this kind of work? I don't think that Reiki is critical to doing it. I think, you know, that was kind of like the modality that, that you use since you all have that in common, but I'll let you answer that question and share how people can find you if you each want to jump in. Well, Reiki is a stream of energy, right? It's a very intentional and it is very connected to being divinely guided. It's very connected to compassion for self and to other. And so it is a specific stream of energy and it's one that I love to work with. It's my foundation. It's my base. I do use other streams of energy within that as well. So that would be my perspective. There are many different modalities, shamanism, animism. I can't even imagine what you could potentially pick from that you can adapt to working in however the way, like, look, you can do whatever you want, right? <laughs> like, look, I've, I've only been able to listen to that very first session that you did, Amy, but that was just like the pure example of it, right? She was using bioenergetics and using it with the land. So however you connect, you can do whatever you're called to do because that's your calling and that's your power and purpose. And as long as your intentions are for the highest and greatest good of the land that you're working with and taking your ego out of the mix. And I say, that's amazing. Like, I can't wait to see what any of you do um, because it's needed. Okay. So I digress because I ramble on. Um, you can find me. I love Instagram. That's where I found Amy. So I'm for the number four, four leaf, for life, underscore official on Instagram and I'm for leave for life hyphen reiki.com um, for my website. And for leaf has great meaning for me as a nature oracle. After my son died, my yard has been filled with hundreds of four, five, six, and recently eight leaf clover. And so that's, that's why I am for leaf for life. So. Again, thank you so much, Amy. And thank you. Everyone. Thanks for being here and for sharing all this and for taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Official note keeper. Official note keeper. <laughs> okay, let's see. I don't have my website up yet, but it's universalempath.com. And I hope to have that up in the new year. So, what the offerings are going to be, honestly, I can't tell you. I don't know. Spirit will lead me where I need to go. I know I have the website done as far as the name, and we'll go from there. But of course, if anyone had questions or comments, whatever, I'm at hheinzclark.com. So H-H-I-N-E-S-C-L-A-R-K.com. And thanks everybody for today. It was awesome. Thanks for being here and sharing. I guess to answer your question, no, I don't think you have to use Reiki. I think there's a million different modalities that you could use, like Dawn said. She covered it pretty well, so I won't drag on with that. I do not have a website. I am on Instagram, Sarah Marie Richings, R-I-C-H-I-N-G-S, no T. I don't really have offerings yet, but they will be coming. <laughs> Hopefully in the new year. We'll be excited to see that. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And thank right. you so much, Amy. Yeah, thanks for being here and, and everyone for sharing and, and for doing all of this work. Did you enjoy that conversation? Are you thinking about how you can use Reiki to work with the land in a new way? And I'm dying to know, would you have volunteered to step onto the stone of sacrifice? I think it's such a good example of how the meanings and interpretation of so much of our language has changed over hundreds of years. If you want to connect with Heather, Sarah, or Dawn, I'll include their contact info in the show notes. And as always, if you feel inspired to join the Earth Tenders Academy with me and hundreds of others from around the world, we would love to add your magic to our mix. I've recently upgraded the content in the course to reflect the energies of the moment, and I've also added some workshops on specific topics like shamanic journeying, energy portals, and working with Bigfoot. So check out the link in the show notes to learn more and join us. I really hope these series of conversations captured your imagination. I'll be taking a break next week while I'm integrating all of these activations and messages that have been coming through to me over the past month. I'm getting really excited to share all of the new things my ancient Scandinavian ancestors have been showing me and teaching me, but it's just not quite time yet. I do want to take a moment, though, to thank you for being here, to thank you for listening, and thank you for all of your messages, emails, group posts, and more throughout this highly unusual year. I am grateful for your support, your energy, and your willingness to join me for this journey. So happy new year, my friends, and I'll see you next year. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.